0: Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Shankelberg,
1: and this is Chris Jackson. And Fred was talking to me to me about a question about accuracy in confidence statistical intervals. inference
0: or something confidence yeah. yeah confidence and um the question was pretty short and and, and then it involved into a, you know an exchange that we, I got a little more detail on it but not a whole lot but the gist of the question was um is it is it more accurate to use a 99% or a 95% confidence interval when estimating um You know, and later I found out it was from some test data. I think an accelerated test um, to estimate the reliability of the item that they were evaluating. And uh, Mm -hmm. I, and I, it took me. I I put it down and came back to it like an hour later and reread it again. And and I said, "Hmm." (laughs) It took me a little bit to figure out how can I answer this question. And um, so, I mean, that's the gist of it is, is what's more accurate, a 99 or a 95% confidence interval was kind of the gist of it in general. Um, what's your thought on that? And I know you, you know, stats way better than I do in, in uh, all this <laughs> other happy goes. stuff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, I'm better at stats 20% of the time, but all of the time I'm about 30% better oh, some of the time. There you go. There we go.
0: Yeah. I I saw a statistic the other day that like forty three percent of all of everybody in the world um, has an intuitive understanding of statistics. Forty three point two percent.
1: I don't understand that at all. Yeah, there you go. yeah, yeah well, there, You it, yeah. were part of that
0: fifty seven or fifty six point eight percent
1: group there. All right.
0: Um, but anyway, it was. I mean, that was the gist of the question, and I thought. Well, I thought about it for a while. So, what, what, what's your impression or first take on this thing? You know, what would you?
1: I think that um, it's actually a difficult question to answer because it's one of those terms, accuracy and probability. That's again, it's one of those terms that we grow up with. We use the term accuracy and probability when we're children, without ever being taught. And so, a lot of those terms especially accuracy, have a very gut feel or emotional feel to them. Um,
0: Do you mean just better, you know, as, as a, instead of accurate? And accurate being from a measurement system analysis perspective has a very specific uh, definition. But you're yes. right. The way we commonly talk about it could mean which one's better, which one's um, more representative, which one's, you know, could be something like that. And it wasn't clear.
1: And I think, you know, when you – we represent confidence bounds visually and graphically all the time. So mm-hmm. uh, to take any statistic, you, if, you, if someone draws on a whiteboard the confidence bound for, I think, a random variable, let's just say human height. So, look, if you, someone walks into this in this this room, we'll be 95% confident that their height will be between this lap value and this value.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If they draw another confidence bound right next to it, where it's, they want to be 99% confident, then the confidence interval is getting much bigger. So you'll see next to the 95% confidence interval, a, a much smaller spread of values. Um, a 99% confidence interval is a much bigger spread of values. And if you look in there, you'll say, oh, okay, it's the smaller confidence interval, that's more accurate because you can see it's less spread. But it's, it's actually describing something different. It's not. It's, it's just saying, hey, ninety-five percent of the time, this is what we expect the value to be between these two values, and ninety-nine percent of the time, we expect them to be between these two values. So, in a way, they're measuring very different things. Yep. But our gut feel looks at the smaller confidence interval and say, Oh, well, that's more accurate because it's tighter, it's smaller, it's shorter." Right.
0: Now, and I get that. That's I see people saying, "Oh, that's that's closer together," and that's great. And I says, "Well." that really only applies before you pick the sample size. Remember the confidence intervals related to the uncertainty due to using a sample, not doing the whole population. You know, if mm-hmm. you could measure everybody ever that's gonna walk through that door, so you could predict and, and know, you didn't have to predict, you would know the range of heights of everybody that's possible to walk into that door, um, You would you wouldn't have confidence intervals, you'd have the actual data, and you could then parse it out and say, well, eighty-nine percent are going to be within, you know, below this height, and eighty, you know, so on. You, you there's no confidence intervals there. But the, I, the I other side don't of know this if I really,
1: if you have the population yeah, because, data,
0: what would you need a confidence
1: interval for? Because if you had measured everyone's height in the world, you still don't know the height of the person who's going to walk through the door. So, well,
0: and that's I agree with that, but I was saying.
1: If you could measure the mean or the parameters.
0: No, if you can measure the, the population that's going to be involved in whatever it is you're trying to get a number for or make a prediction for or estimate or, or not estimate, those are the wrong terms. If you're going to um, measure every single part that comes off the line, every single part, and you've measured them all and you stop production, now you have this terabyte of data, that's population data. And if I calculate an average, it's nonsensical to put a confidence interval on it.
1: Ah, there you go. That's a difference. That's what I mean. Yeah, the parameter. So there's a difference between uh, confidence intervals of the height of the next person to walk through the door. Right. You always have that confidence interval there because you won't know the height of the person walks through the door. It's an
0: uncertainty is which one out of the population will, will venture off to see you. Right,
1: I get that. Right, but if you're more interested in the average height, that's different because that's a parameter.
0: Right. Now, there's another aspect to this, though. If you're planning yep. a test, right, and mm-hmm. the the and I've run into this in a couple of companies where they have a policy saying, well, if this is a single-point failure, we're going to use 99% confidence in the test plan, or if it's uh, not critical or not a safety issue, we'll use 90% or something like that. And it directly affects how many samples they have to draw in order to show that it's at, you know meets this requirement or does this value or yeah. estimates it or something like that. And in that case, the generic meaning of accuracy is that if you use a higher confidence, it just means you got to use more samples, generally. Given everything else constant, you use more samples. And then you'll get a better representation of where the population values might actually be. And, it, and that's another aspect of what I thought was in this question. Is, is that what they're yeah. talking about?
1: It's a good question. It seems trivial, but I mean, if you measure the heights of five human beings, and for, let's just say that you're an alien and you've never come across humans before, so you've got no pre-existing ideas what the typical height of a human being is. And you'd have to be very
0: charming so you
1: could walk up and say, hey, could I measure you? Yeah, it would be an interesting scenario that would, you know, you would have to, you have to really think that through as an alien trying to, um, you know, not get shot in the face, for example, when you, because a really, would be an interesting proposal, so mm-hmm. an alien walking up to an, you and a mall or a restaurant saying, hey, hey, bet you'll never guess what I'm about to ask you, but uh, <laughs> anyway.
0: Yeah, sorry about that. Throw a wrench into your <laughs> thought there.
1: All <laughs> right, <laughs> so you get five readings. Right, and and then you'll be able to generate a confidence bound using statistics that we talk about in other podcasts mm-hmm. on the average human height. Right, and if you let's just pick a ninety-five percent confidence bound. after that after you measure the heights of five humans, you'll be able to say statistically, well, I'm ninety-five percent certain that the mean of this population of human beings, the mean height, I should say, is between five foot two and six foot nine, or something like Wait. that. But as you get more and more, if you now measure a hundred, a um, uh, hundred human beings there, and you get a better idea of the typical average height, then your confidence, 95% confidence bound will keep shrinking. So
0: as the sample only, size the, goes up,
1: right. So it's not only the not only the fact it's a 95% confidence bound; it's 95% confidence bound based on your confidence. It, that's the thing we're missing here. You could have very little confidence because you've only seen one one instance of that phenomena and you have a 95% confidence bound, which is very wide because you're really not sure what the true value is. Mm -hmm. But once you get more information, your confidence increases. Um, And so your 95% confidence bound goes down. I think perhaps the question is confusing confidence with accuracy because Right, your ninety five percent confidence bound could be entirely accurate given the information you've received, well there, that's, a small. Does that make a, sense?
0: Yeah, it it makes sense. And, it, and there's there's another aspect to this that I want to throw in here is, well, how close do you need to be? You know, how accurate is accurate enough? Mm. Which is not confidence. Um, it's it's you know, if I want to be absolutely totally dead on accurate, I work out the measurement system so i have zero measurement error and i measure the entire population
1: right with reliability though it's not just accuracy because you can have uh for example if you have a reliability requirement of 0.9 right 90 90 percent reliable
0: over some duration right in cleveland you know on tuesdays yeah
1: on tuesdays
0: yeah yeah be specific
1: specific. all right and next door mall, yeah. random aliens are conducting impromptu high <laughs> measurements of human beings. That's right. But um, So your requirement's
0: 90% reliable. Okay.
1: And you've got two vendors. And one, one actually gives you a device which is, has a 91% reliability, so it meets the requirement. Mm-hmm. And another one has a 99.9% requirement. percent uh, actual reliability. So you have two candidate devices each of which meet your requirement. but one only just meets it and the other one really, really meets it. Right. The reality is though, if you if can't decide is all...
0: You can't decide with just those two numbers at that point.
1: No, no, but if you're gonna do testing to get to the same level of confidence that they that each one of them pass exceeds the requirement, you'd probably have to do more testing on the one with uh, reliability that's closer to the goal because you need more accuracy so to speak well i call on, it uh, i often I call that
0: precision or, or the right. difference that matters so if you want to measure a system that they claim is just barely above the spec um if you only take five samples it pro it's likely that that lower bound is going to go below your requirement and so if you want to make sure that you're above the bound or the lower bound is meet your requirement um I had a boss once said, "Well, just change the the confidence, and now it looks like it meets the requirement, and we're good." And I said, "Well, you, it really doesn't make sense to do a 30 percent confidence on these things." Nope. <laughs> yeah. but And I said, "Well, how I mean, how on average, just on average, if we do a test um, and it's at 90 point one, is that is that good enough?" Or do we need to know that it's at least five units above it? It has to be at 95 before I change my mind. You know, How, far, how much of a difference, if I'm comparing two vendors and one's at this point, one's at that point, uh, how much apart do they need to be before I know there's a real difference? Because if I wanna detect a 10th of a, a percent, it's much more difficult than to measure a 5% difference. And, and yep. more samples and, and more, and all those kind of things. So that's another whole concept. And here I'm drawing pictures in the air with my hands. It's one that you might have to put this on your webinar list because this probably makes <laughs> some good graphics.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. But the idea is one is the terms we use, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what do we mean by those? Um, it. And the other is, are we designing the test and well, how close do we need to be and what's our limitation on samples and everything else? But then it circles all the way back to what you said pretty early on is that 95 and 99 are just different representations of the data. They're different. They're they're not comparing to each other. They're just on a spectrum in my mind of... I can set whatever confidence I want. If I take a sample, I make a measurement and I do some calculations and I want to put bounds on it. I could do 99, nine, I could do 90, I could do 47, I could do whatever I want. And there'll be different lengths, but what's important to what I want to make a decision on.
1: I suppose that it's worth, and I often say this in my courses that reliability and things like that, speed, weight, weight, defects right they're all a measure of your product or system mm-hmm. but confidence is a measure of you so whenever you see something uh, let's just i'm trying to think of a uh, an uncertain value that we might estimate uh, estimate you might say, say in your head okay i think there's a 30 percent chance of it raining tomorrow uh, but in in practice what's going on in your brain is your brain is creating a, a little mini bell curve around the likely values of something mm-hmm. um you'll say okay uh or if you're throwing a ball, you say, look, I know how accurate it is for me to throw a baseball. I'm going to – if I'm 20, 30 yards away, the catcher, he won't have to move his glove 30% of the time. Another 10% of the time he will have to. 5% of the time he has to do an amazing Superman leap mm-hmm. to retrieve my ball. Yeah. Um, you, you have in your mind something you can't e- easily visualize or easily, easily quantify, this sort of bell curve that our brains are really good at generating without ever um, projecting it to a whiteboard, for example, that help us deal with uncertainties in the world around us. So that's what confidence is, that hypothetical bell curve in your head about something. And so the 99% confidence bound or confidence interval and the 95% confidence interval are different metrics of the same hypothetical confidence bell curve in your head.
0: Right, they're just different slices, it's two right. standard yeah, deviations exactly. versus three. Yeah. yeah. And it it to me, it always relates to, I think the best example I've ever had, and I mentioned it earlier, is these medical groups that saying, well, if this is a single point failure that would cause harm, we need to investigate that more thoroughly, so we're gonna set the requirement that we just need more samples. We need to, to get a better estimate. And, and there's other requirements that go with this test planning. And if it's a trivial uh, requirement or it's a requirement that it's not gonna lead to a safety issue or a performance issue or something like that, then we could use a lower standard for that. Mm-hmm. And and then we need fewer samples. And it's tied to quantif- att- an attempt to quantify the risk. You know, if this right. fails, oh, we're in big problems. If this fails, yeah, we can send them a spare part, and they'll be back in business. You know, if this fails, nobody cares, and so it's um, it's completely opposite what the aircraft industry does. From my immediate naive perception of, it is they test one wing to failure, um, but the trays. I wonder how many times they test the back seat back trays. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I. I I have no idea, and I know there's a whole lot more engineering work going into the wings than there is in that seat back tray. Uh, but maybe you, not. You I have you prefer? No idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> which I do true. prefer. <laughs> um, but I imagine there's just a lot of engineering going into those trays because of weight, in and reducing the load on on much fuel they got to carry. So I, nothing's trivial when you dive into it enough. Um, but I was thrown a bit in. I think your notion of that the use of the word accurate might be the generic dictionary term, not the mm-hmm. measurement system term. Because I thought it was apples and oranges when I first saw this one. Accuracy is 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 my measurement system or my test process and stuff give me a true value? How close to true is it? And that that concept with confidence is not always obvious to me. I mean, we, we've no. taken a sample and we get an interval and it's saying we think it's somewhere in here based on this sample. I That's the way I commonly think of, of confidence, but I've also been corrected by people that know statistics way better than I do that says, no, that's not really what it's telling you. And uh, I always wrap my head around that one the wrong way, I think.
1: Well, if we go back to that scenario where the requirement is 90%, and you've got a device which has an actual reliability, which we don't know yet, because we haven't measured it, Mm -hmm. of 91%, and another one which has an accurate uh, reliability of 99%, you need to be much more accurate in your understanding of the first one, which just passes the requirement to have the same level of confidence of it meeting the requirement. You need to be less accurate with the other one because it's so much more reliable. You don't need to know, have a really good idea of its accuracy because it's so far beyond the requirement that you can still have the same level of confidence of meeting the requirement. So the one that's really close to the requirement you need to be more accurate in your understanding of to have the same confidence as the other one which is much more reliable and doesn't need as much accuracy to have that same level of confidence. So Two different metrics, and, I, and that's where I think people like you and I can can, uh, can really confuse struggle everybody. Can, yeah, I mean, it's, that's not help. If we're confusing people, it's not helpful.
0: Yeah, well, if you know, if it might be a good place to wrap it up is you know, if we've just confused the daylight side of you, then let let us know. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know maybe make your plea to get Chris to spell this all out one of his illuminated uh, um, oh webinar things. That would be way cool. Um, I, well, you got a bunch of this. St- I think you come as we're recording this. I think you got one coming up that's on. Um, uh, uh, oh, I'll draw a blank. It's SPCA. PCA. It, no, it's the. Uh, I want, now I've got confidence in my mind. I can't think of the other one. It's the capability
1: analysis. Yeah, PCA. So the. Um- so, as at the time of this recording, uh, the pre- last webinar I did was statistical process control. The next webinar I'm doing is process capability analysis, PCA. Uh, sort of sequel to spc oh, in a way before i forget that that?
0: yeah that's true and, and so before i forget one of the things i ran into is is i think i figured out a way to uh show have the the webinar play or show you can watch the webinar we'll have a you know place there you can ask questions and stuff like that and when it it'll track the software will track that you watch the whole thing it doesn't use eye trackers or anything creepy so it's you could game it if you wanted to, I suppose, but it, it, it won't issue a certificate until the whole thing plays. And so yeah, you can still check email. We know you do that during the live ones, but no, of course not. <laughs> not with Chris's webinars. You got to pay attention to what's going on there. <laughs> uh,
1: but the idea yeah, is, is my that my confidence I, is might be different to yours. Yeah, there you go.
0: But my thought <laughs> is is that you know I've had a number of people over the last couple of months asking for do we get a certificate for CEU, CEUs, or RUs, or you know all these certification type points. And I figure, well, I, can, I think I can automate that. I've got a capability to do that, so that may be coming out. Um, I'll add it to my list, which doesn't mean much. But I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can make that work. So two things. If you're listening to this and are confused by what we're talking about or have a, additional questions or preferred, if you've got a great way to explain this, let us know. Head over to yeah. AscendoReliability.com slash go slash S-O-R. And you can find a, a way to leave a voice message or you can leave a written message. You can contact Chris or I uh, on LinkedIn or on our About pages, as with all the other hosts of the show. The second part is, if you like the idea of having the webinars that are already all available, it's close. To, I think there's over 100 of them now, um, available to issue certificates for recertification points or stuff like that, let us know if that's of interest to you, and we'll see if we can get that set up. And with that, I think I'm pretty confident we're at the end of this episode.
1: How accurate assumptions behind our call
0: Well, my finger's right over the stop button here.
1: Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Okay, all
0: right. Talk to you later, Chris. Cheers, Fred. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation. If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.